Good evening, booktube. As I'm sure we all know, coronavirus is on the rampage around the world. And so I wanted to take this opportunity to do Steve Donahue's new original book tag, the coronavirus book tag. I wasn't tagged and I generally don't do these book tags. Uh, the reason I don't do these book tags is because for the most part, I don't have good answers to book tag type questions. Uh, for example, question number four in this book tag is serious mortality rate, a book with a significantly notice noticeable body count. I can think, I can rack my brain and probably eventually come up with the book that I've read that has like the most, the highest body count but it's not gonna be an interesting answer. I'm just, I'm just not so well read as to have novel answers to these kinds of questions. But, so, I'm not going to answer all these questions. Instead, I figured I would limit myself to just one of his seven questions. Uh, the one that I wanted to, to think about and answer. And that is question number five. Quarantine prep, five books or series you want with you under house confinement. And the reason I'm interested in answering this question is because it feels pretty relevant to me right now. I'm not under quarantine. There's no medical requirement for me to be under quarantine, thankfully, but uh, coronavirus is all around me in my city and my state right now, New York State to be precise, and I am practicing extreme social distancing. I am choosing to not go out. Now, I think when Steve Donahue wrote the question or asked the question, he intended it as sort of like, you're stranded on a desert island kind of a thing, like what books do you use to keep you busy um, when you're going to have a lot of time to yourself? But I, I take the question in a slightly different way because in this position of being socially isolated, my mind goes to certain books that I've read that deal with the theme and the imagery of plague. So I would like to share with you those books from my library that I'm thinking about now. The first one is uh, Narcissus and Goldman. Now, the backstory of my relationship with this book. I read this book when I was really young. I must have been in middle school um, when I picked it up off the shelf in my parents' house, not really knowing what I was getting myself into. And I read it and I did not like it. It was not for me. And uh, looking back, I felt that might be because I was too young. Um, and so I recently uh, reread almost the whole book. I haven't quite finished it. Um, but revisited the book and I found that in some ways I probably was too young uh, to appreciate it the first time around but also at a second time around I don't really love it it doesn't really resonate or speak to me but the reason I revisited it and the reason I was curious to try it again was because I remembered in the back of my mind even though it was so long ago I remembered there was a description of plague of the Black Death and that description stayed with me. So here's the description that I, that I highlighted in this book. 
this description of plague. Quote, the whole region, the whole vast land lay under a cloud of death, under a veil of horror, fear, and darkening of the soul. And the empty houses, the farm dogs, starved on their chains and rotting, the scattered unburied corpses, the begging children, the death pits at the city gates were not the worst. The worst were the survivors, who seemed to have lost their eyes and souls under the weight of horror and the fear of death. Everywhere the wanderer came upon strange, dreadful things. Parents had abandoned their children, husbands their wives, when they had fallen ill. The ghouls reigned like hangmen. They pillaged the empty houses, left corpses unburied, or following their whims, tore the dying from their beds before they had breathed their last, and tossed them on the death carts. Frightened fugitives wandered about alone, turned primitive, avoiding all contact with other people, hounded by fear of death. Others were grouped together by an excited, terrified lust for life, drinking and dancing and fornicating while death played the fiddle. Still others cowered outside cemeteries, unkempt, mourning or cursing with insane eyes, or sat outside their empty houses. And we'll stop there. This It goes on very beautifully, and I revisited this section, and I, I loved it. Book number two is a short story from my collection of Edgar Allan Poe. Um, of course, this short story that I'm thinking about is The Mask of the Red Death. And it's a very short story. Classic, classic Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, all hits all the right. Edgar Allan Poe notes of the, uh, the grotesque of this gothic, ghastly, morbid imagery. And it centers on a setting of plague. The story opens, quote, The Red Death had long devastated the country. No pestilence had ever been so fatal or so hideous. Blood was its avatar and its seal the redness and the horror of blood. There were sharp pains and sudden dizziness and then profuse bleeding at the pores with disillusion. The scarlet stains upon the body and especially upon the face of the victim were the pest ban which shut him out from the aid and from the sympathy of his fellow men. And the whole seizure, progress, and termination of the disease were the incidents of half an hour. End quote. The story continues by describing the character and experience of this one Prince Prospero. Quote, but the Prince Prospero was happy and dauntless and sagacious. When his dominions were half depopulated, he summoned to his presence a thousand hale and light-hearted friends from among the knights and dames of his court, and with these retired to the deep seclusion of one of his castellated abbeys. This was an extensive and magnificent structure, the creation of the prince's own eccentric yet august taste. Continuing, with such precautions, the courtiers might bid defiance to contagion. The external world could take care of itself. End quote. And the story goes on to describe this party that he holds, this sort of masquerade with all these rooms, very gothic, very surreal. And it's a, it describes... For me, it captures the experience of 
plague of these kind of natural disasters in the context of social stratification. When you have an upper class with the material means to seclude itself from the lower classes, uh, which is what this Prince Prospero is doing, locking himself in his castle while everyone outside suffers. Uh, and of course, in modern times also, people um, with of, of more means are able to afford stocking up on resources in a way that poorer people can't. And social inequality is more keenly felt, I think, and sometimes in these moments of distress. But of course, uh, being that this is an Edgar Allan Poe story, uh, it does not have a happy ending for Prince Prospero. And I think the story sort of plays with this duality, this duality of the rich trying to block themselves off from the poor, from the pestilence outside, and living in seclusion, quarantined from the danger. But in the end, the Red Death infiltrates. Because in the end, contagions don't discriminate by social class. And in the end, everyone is vulnerable. Moving on. In college, Gabriel Garcia Marquez was one of my favorite writers. I devoured his books I have here. My copy of Love in the Time of Cholera, which is a book that... Uh, I still love, I still love. Throughout the book, there's this specter of death and of plague, but it's not the focus, because the focus is this love story between these two characters, between Fermina Daza and Florentino Ariza. And for me, this book is sort of about that interplay between the experience of the masses of society as a whole and the experience of the individual, the personal, historical time and personal time. And in historical time in this book, there's, there's calamity, there's death. But the story is told from the personal perspective of these characters and this love story, which is a very unusual love story, of course, not typical in any way, but it causes historical time to sort of fall out of focus because all the focus, all we really experience is the personal, is the single solitary human life. And the book ends with these two characters, now much aged, very late in life, and they're on a boat which has a, a flag which indicates that there's cholera on this boat. And because of that, they're unable to port. They're unable to, uh, to get off the boat because no port will, will accept them because of this uh, contagious disease that they have. And they, they decide that they're just going to go up and down the river. That's how the book ends. All right. Next is The Plague. Albert Camus. This is another book that I read really young. I was probably too young when I first read this book to really know what was going on. I didn't, I didn't like it that much first time around, but on subsequent reads, I, I did like it. I will tell you why I think I love this book so much. I'm going to give one quote from very early on in the book. It's a quote that I think about a lot now, and I think about a lot when I see the different reactions that people have in my own life, in my own community to this coronavirus. <sighs> quote, when a war breaks out, people say, it's too stupid, it can't last long. 
But though a war may well be too stupid, that doesn't prevent its lasting. Stupidity has a knack of getting its way, as we should see if we were not always so much wrapped up in ourselves. End quote. And so this, this idea that there's this normalcy bias. Human beings have a hard time thinking about catastrophe. I think often we lack a catastrophic imagination. People assume that if your life is good, if things are good, it's going to continue. And until you're really hit in the face with catastrophe, it's hard to believe that things can get really bad. And I think that's sort of where we are right now in America, like where I'm at in my community. That's sort of where I'm at with my family. There's like this sort of disbelief in a lot of people. And what the book The Plague reminds me of is that things really can get bad, even if it feels so foreign and so hard to believe. Continuing in the book, quote, In this respect, our townsfolk were like everybody else, wrapped up in themselves. In other words, they were humanists. They disbelieved in pestilences. A pestilence isn't a thing made to man's measure. Therefore, we tell ourselves that pestilence is a mere bogey of the mind, a bad dream that will pass away. But it doesn't always pass away. And from one bad dream to another, it is men who pass away. And the humanists, first of all, because they haven't taken their precautions. End quote. So those are four books. I think Steve asked that we do five books. I don't, I don't really have a, a fifth book at hand. Um, you know, I've been thinking about the book and the band played on quite a bit these days, uh, which is sort of a classic work of nonfiction about the AIDS epidemic and just the, the human tragedies of that plague in uh, the gay community and beyond in America uh, in the 80s and the criminal, criminal, evil neglect of the American government uh, failing to act, the Reagan administration, for example, failing to take it seriously, failing to do anything about it. And so I guess that would be my fifth book. Um, so there you go. Thank you, Steve Donahue, for making this tag. And I hope everyone uh, stays safe and washes their hands. And... Uh, gets through this unscathed. Have a good night.